Hi, this is Dan Mendes with NextGen Venture Partners coming off of a fascinating conversation with Fran Hauser. Fran is the former president of digital at Time Inc. She's a venture partner with NextGen. She's a prolific angel investor, uh, having backed 20 companies, 18 of them with female founders. And she's the author of a new book called The Myth of the Nice Girl, which set the thesis of which is that strength and kindness in the workplace is not a trade-off. You can integrate them and achieve both. And Fran and I talk about how to apply that concept and many others from her career and her background to early stage investing, uh, how to think about what companies to invest in and how to diligence them and how to guide them. And I think Fran is a super interesting person, um, has really special insight into this asset class and into the workplace in general. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Fran Hauser, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Fran, I'd like to start off with your childhood. So your parents had their own business, and I read that you were helping them do the books when you were six years old. So can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes, that is very true. So my parents are Italian immigrants who moved to Mount Kisco, New York, which is about an hour north of Manhattan when I was two. And they both had small businesses. My father was a stonemason. My mother was a seamstress. And I was pretty much the general manager of the household, as well as of their businesses, starting at a very young age, because they, they didn't speak English. So I was basically their, their translator. And that is very true that I was doing invoicing for my dad when I was in first grade. I was doing all of his, his invoices for his business. Do you think that propelled you or had any impact in your career and your success in the business world? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I think that from a standpoint of values and, you know, hard work and grit and also truthfully community, because so many of my parents, actually all of their siblings moved over around the same time, as well as a lot of their cousins and friends. So they basically rebuilt this this community from this like one small little town in Southern Italy. They rebuilt that in Mount Kisco. And you know, I grew up feeling that I really had their support, you know, and the, the importance of family and the importance of being there for each other. You know, I was the first in my family to go to college. So I definitely very much espouse qualities like grit and resilience. And I, I think that had a lot to do with sort of my career trajectory and really the success that I've had in my career as well. Um, well, I, I, want, I want to talk about your career, but I also want to talk about your angel investing. So you've invested in a, a whole lot of companies. First, give us a quick sense of the sort of scope and how many companies you know, you've, you've invested in. But, but more importantly, I'd love to hear about how those values that you just spoke about impact your early stage investing. I have about, let's see, I have 20 companies in my portfolio. 18 of them are female founded. I tend to focus on consumer digital media, innovation in community building and, and network network building. Um, those are really the, the sweet spots for me. You know, in terms of how my my childhood and, and those values impact my investing philosophy, you know, I think those are qualities that I look for in founders. You know, I, I really want to know that they have that grit and they have that resilience and frankly that they have integrity. 
and that, you know, they, they'll do the right thing. I mean, that that's a big part of my evaluation when I'm, I'm first meeting with a founder and getting to know them. I actually do a lot of back channeling because of obviously founders always provide references, but I think it's really important for me to talk to people who might be mutual connections on LinkedIn. I reach out to those people to understand not just the the successes that the founder has had, but but how they achieve those successes. I think the how is really important. And I think that again goes back to those values of integrity and, you know, grit, hard work and, you know, things like kindness and compassion, which is something I'm I'm really passionate about. So yeah, so I think it, it's it's influenced me. It's influenced me greatly. Do you have tactical advice or strategies for how you how you do assess kindness, how you do assess grit? You know, you can't you can't just say, hey, are you kind or hey, are you do you have grit? You can have references, but what are the techniques that you've used that you found successful in trying to assess whether or not people actually have those qualities? Yeah, I think that for me, what's what's been really important is talking to connections that we might have in common and asking them specifically, you know, if they worked on a team together at a, a prior job, like really understanding, like, what was this person like as, as, a, as a teammate? Did, did this person show respect for the rest of the people on the team? Did he or she create a psychologically safe environment so that you know, if people needed help, they were they weren't afraid to, to ask for help. I think getting into those nitty gritty questions of sort of like, how did they behave? How did they operate? How would you describe them as a, a team member? That's where I personally have gotten the most because I, I feel like when you're you're talking to somebody, you're right. Like you can't just ask them like, so hey, or you know, are you kind? Like, do you do the right thing? It's more about talking to other people who've worked with them in the past. And, and getting, you know, a really kind of unbiased uh, opinion of, of the person. I found that to be really helpful. Let's talk uh, about your book called The Myth of a Nice Girl. What's the core message there? So the core message is that you don't need to choose between kindness and strength when you're leading. And that, in fact, I think the most effective leaders in business or really, you know, in any professional environment, the most effective leaders lead with both. And it's really my response to how can you be so nice and still be successful, which is the question that I've been asked the most over my career. The book answers that and it, it goes through different functional areas. So there's a chapter dedicated to negotiating. There's a chapter dedicated to decision making, to communicating. And I really just kind of walk through like very specific tips, techniques, tools, um, that show how you can integrate both kindness and strength as you're approaching any one of those areas. Um, and it's, you know, the book is doing really well. I feel like it's it's resonating with women. I've, I've been traveling all around the country and meeting women who've read the book. And what a lot of them are saying is, thank you for giving me permission to bring my whole self to work and to not feel like I have to check qualities like kindness and empathy and compassion at the door when I go to work. And just to make sure I've got this nailed down, it sounds like what you're saying is it's not that you have to balance these two qualities of strength and kindness or make trade-offs between them. It's that you can achieve both simultaneously and integrate them. Is that a fair assessment? Definitely. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, it's not an either or, and, and you really can bring both. Like one of the examples that I like to use is when I was at Time Inc., I was you know, running a lot of product teams where we were launching new websites or, you know, new apps, 
or new new features. And as the leader of the, the group, it was really up to me to kind of make the final call on which features we were going to be including in the launch and which you know we were going to be tabling. And bringing kindness to that process is really about listening to your team and getting their input and really kind of understanding why they think it's important to include a, a certain feature and really showing that you care about them in that way, that you care about them, you care about their opinion, their point of view. The, the strength part is at the end of the day, like you have to make the tough call. You know, you have to make the decision. You have to stand in your own two shoes when you make that decision. And there were plenty of times where, you know, I would make the decisions and then I'd go back to the team and I would say, thank you. You know, I really appreciated all of your input. Um, it definitely helped me make a more informed decision. Here's where I came out on the decision. Some of you I know are not going to be happy, but at the end of the day, like I had to make a decision so that we could move forward and not, and not lose momentum. And I think that's just a really good example of how you can bring both kindness and strength into a situation where people feel like, they're being included, they're a part of it, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, you're the leader, so you, you can't, it can't just be about, like, I have to get buy-in, you know, from all of these people, because then you'll never make a decision. How does that insight uh, play into your investments? And I could imagine it playing into it uh, on the decision-making process, which companies to invest in to begin with. I could also imagine it playing into maybe some advice that you're giving founders that you've backed. But what role um, does I think that really important view take in, in your early stage investing? Well, I think a, a, a lot of it has to do with really being comfortable saying no and not taking the meeting. Like if you know that it's not in my investing thesis and the, the, the company, the product, the service, it's just, it's not something that I'm going to invest in. I actually think that the kindest thing that I can do is say no to taking the meeting in, in a really gracious way. But there are also like lower lift ways that I could be helpful, you know, whether it's making an introduction to a potential investor who, you know, does invest in that space, or I might do, you know, a 15 minute call where I just give feedback to the founder, but I'm not taking the full two hours that you know it takes, right? Because you have to read the deck, you have to like get to the meeting. It's like an hour long meeting. So in, instead of- the, th you know, the, thought, the thoughtful pass is, uh, is uh, you know, you have to think about as well. Yes, the thoughtful pass. I think it's really important. And I, and, I, and I have to tell you, the one thing that I'm seeing that I'm really not liking is I'm seeing investors take multiple meetings with founders lead them on to the point where like they have like a verbal yes like i'm in and then they ghost yeah and i i just i really have no tolerance for that I, it's you know I, I can't tell you how many founders i've spoken to just over the last few months who've been through that situation and it's so much nicer to just say no from the very beginning and you know and and maybe there there is a, a like i said a lower lift way that you can be helpful but to lead the person on to waste their time to get their hopes up it's just not good so i think that's a really good example of how you know bringing both kindness and strength to to say no and to into the thoughtful pass it's work and it, it works and i think it's the right thing to do yeah 
of all the things that we've talked about, and that's the integration of, of strength and kindness, the grit as a key characteristic, creating community, which of those have you found have played sort of an overwhelming role in your investing decisions? You know, it's interesting. I think one of the things that we didn't talk about that I'd like to bring up, because I think it's, it's, it's really important, is I like to see that the person is coachable. And it concerns me. It deeply concerns me when I feel like the person is not like when they feel like they have it all figured out and I might share some advice or, you know, some thoughts or, or point of view. And I feel like just easily dismissed that actually for me is, is the biggest red flag. So that's just something that I, I want to bring up while we're talking about qualities, going back to the kindness, community building and grit. I would say the, the the one that is the most sort of overwhelmingly consistent when I'm when I'm evaluating founders is kindness. And the reason for that is because I've just seen in my own career that when I'm kind to people, they trust me and that allows me to build relationships. And I think at the end of the day to be successful in business, it's all about relationships. So I need to be able to see that the founder is capable of building relationships and a network that's going to be supportive and accretive to whatever work they're doing. So I would choose kindness if I had to. I think they're all important, but that's the one that I would choose. Well, I appreciate you picking one and rolling with it. And as you were, were talking, I'm thinking I'm going to my 10th year business school reunion in two days. So I've been in venture capital for 10 years now. And I read a fair amount and I consume a fair amount of information. And I'm not sure I've ever heard an investor say, you know what I look for potentially above all else is kindness. And yet, as you say it, I think that is a critical quality. So I guess you can take that in any way you want. Do you think the industry is completely off and needs a self-corrective? Do you think that your returns are going to crush everyone else's because of what you're looking for? But it's the different viewpoint and it makes a ton of sense to me. It is, it is a different viewpoint. For sure. Um, and I would really encourage investors to think about because it might be something that you are considering, but you don't even realize that you're considering when you're evaluating a founder, because I think there's something so innate and intuitive about it. Like, like, is this person just like a good person? Right. And, and a lot of that does come back to kindness. I mean, look, there's so much more at play, right. When you're making an investment decision, I mean, there's, is there a unique value proposition that's easy to communicate is is there really an asset here that you know where where I, I feel like there's going to be huge enterprise value and I can easily see what the exit is going to be right like that all has to go into it too but from a pure qualities perspective I yeah I would really encourage investors to to think about that and actually to go back and look at their portfolios and look at the companies that have had successful exits right and it would be interesting to see like is is kindness sort of a consistent so this is the first time I'm thinking about it, and so I, I'm, this, it's, this is pure speculation, but I could imagine that kindness would be particularly helpful in, in the tougher times. And what I'm thinking is, you know, the, the, number, the number one cause of, of failure is running out of cash. Uh, I would say the number two cause is disputes at the founder level or the executive level. And I would think that, A, kindness could certainly help minimize those disputes that sometimes can be company killing. And then B, even on the running out of cash, I could imagine that if you've just treated your stakeholders or your investors really well, you can go back to them and say, you know what, can you cut me a break in XYZ manner as, when it comes to cash and people yeah. are more, more willing to, to, to help you along. 
So I, I would think it would be almost help you more on the downside or could help particularly on yeah. the downside. It could help particularly in the downside. Cause you know what too, like memories are long, memories are long. And when you burn bridges with someone or when you just like do something that is off putting or rub someone the wrong way, that stays with the person. And, you know, I'm sure you're seeing this too. Like I have people coming back into my life that I worked with like 20 years ago and, you know, now they're back into in my professional life. And thank goodness that, you know, I, I really worked on building great relationships with these people because now I need them again. Right. So, you know, I just, I think going into it with that kind of mindset that these, these are people like whether they're investors, whether they're clients, whether they're employees, board members, like these are people that, you know, may be in my life for a long time. They might go away. They might come back. Like it's so, and especially when you're going through those rough times and you need people to just believe in you and maybe give you the benefit of the doubt, they're more likely to do that if they have that kind of relationship with you. Uh, tell us about uh, a company in your portfolio that you're particularly excited about. I'm really excited about The Wing, which is um, a co-working space for women. It launched, I want to say about a year and a half ago in New York City uh, with one location in Flatiron. And they're now up to four locations and they're expanding to Chicago and they're expanding to the West Coast. They just raised their Series B recently, which was led by WeWork. And, you know, I'm just, I think they're, they're doing such a great job of building a community, of building a brand. Um, there's so many women on the wait list that um, would love to be, you know, members of, of the wing, which is why they're expanding as fast as they are. I also just feel like we always talk about timing and how important timing is, you know, and just launching at the right moment. They certainly launched at the right moment. You know, the idea of, of creating a, a safe place and a, a, an inspiring and empowering place for women to convene and to get their work done, it's just it's just the perfect moment for that. So I'm, I'm really excited and I just think, you know, they're, they're executing brilliantly. So I'm super excited about that. Fran, last question. So you and I both have young kids. Should we be putting them to work at a young age uh, so that they can, you know, one day be more likely to grow up and, you know, be major media executives and early stage investors and book authors? You know what? I, I think it's I think it's great to put them to work. And especially like just even from a chores perspective, you know, I have a kindergartner and a second grader and you know, my second grader just recently took over dishwasher duty. So like he actually like puts the soap in the dishwasher and I've taught him how to turn it on. He does that every single night. And, you know, it gives him like so much confidence too. Um, the fact that I'm trusting him to do that. And little by little, like I just feel like as he's getting older, I'm just giving him more and more to do. And I think it's really important for children, you know, at a very young age to to understand and, and appreciate the value in hard work and contributing. So I'm all for it. Fran Hauser, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thanks, Dan. 